Hey, what's going on? Welcome to The Doug Show. My name is Doug Cunnington, and in this episode, I'm going to tell you about some non-success stories. And I sent out a survey, must have been a few weeks ago, and over 30 people replied, which is cool, and we have all the results in. I put together some information that hopefully will be helpful to all you folks that haven't reached success yet or what you deem success. And, you know, if you are successful already, I'm sure you can relate and think back to before you reach that level of success. There's a couple components that we sort of divided it into. So we have basically throwing spaghetti at the wall. Number one, number two is undervaluing keyword research. Number three is unrealistic expectations. Number four is failing to crack monetization. And number five, underestimating the hard work. So those are the components that sort of make up the different areas that people seem to have issues with. I think no matter how you categorize, you know, some of the quotes that I'm going to read to you, basically they will probably fall into one of these areas, even if, you know, it's a blend of a few things or, you know, maybe, you know, maybe it's something else. We, we did what we could to divide it up here. This episode is brought to you by Ezoic. Ezoic is a Google certified partner and they've recently rolled out their new site speed accelerator. Basically, it speeds up your, your site. It makes it load faster and you really see a huge improvement most of the time with the Google PageSpeed Insight score. Now, if you already have a high Page Insight score, then it's not going to go up as much, but I had experience with uh, one of my sites. Basically, it went from the high 20s, low 30s to the high 90s just by implementing the Site Speed Accelerator. Now, a few people have asked me about using Ezoic and basically using their DNS. The best way you can use the Site Speed Accelerator and Ezoic in general is to use their DNS. And the reason why is you're able to use their caching and their CDN. That's a content delivery network. Basically, those are services. Those are things you would typically have to pay for separately, but it's included with the SiteSpeed Accelerator. There's a free seven-day trial, so I encourage you to check it out. And again, people are concerned about using the DNS of some other third party, but basically, if you use a CDN that is what you do. That That's like the thing that happens. If you use a CDN, you have to use another DNS and things are loading sort of outside of your normal registrar and your hosting account, but it helps your site load faster. So it's sort of implicit. And I do it myself. So I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't worry about it too much. If you're using a CDN, then you're using other uh, servers to load your site anyway. This is a site speed accelerator, so you need to use caching in the CDN. Thus, you have a much faster loading site. So there's no harm in checking out the free seven-day trial. And thanks again to Ezoic. When I first got started with internet marketing and niche sites and stuff, I love the success stories. I listened to podcasts primarily, watched a couple YouTube videos, not too many, and I read a lot of blog posts, probably as many blog posts as podcasts, but I probably listened to the podcast more than I actually read any of the, I guess, success stories over and over again. 
They're very inspiring. And in the last few months, I asked for feedback from you folks out there, the listeners, and you said, I want to hear more success stories, but I was also inspired to hear from other folks, right? The people that have not reached the success that they were aiming for. So part of it is an idea that I was kind of kicking around, but then I listened to the Empire Flippers podcast from maybe a couple months ago, and they were talking about their content approach in general and how it shifted over the years. And one of the ideas that they mentioned was to take a different angle at an idea. So I think they may have specifically said non-success stories or people that maybe had something go wrong in, in the project. So instead of bringing a success story, it's bringing a, you know, a lesson, a lesson learned through mistakes. So that was sort of the origin of putting this together. I sent out an email and a bunch of people replied back. So thanks all the people that replied back. And I did give a teaser a couple episodes ago, and this is going to be a more thorough podcast on the topic. A lot of times when you're hearing from successful niche site owners and marketers in general, I mean, they could be super motivating, they can inspire, but if you're struggling to gain traction, sometimes those stories are not very motivating and you think, well, why can't I work it out? That is one of the reasons why I decided to ask and call for all these stories. So, Really, I want everyone, I want everyone to realize that at some point, every like before you reach success, like you weren't there yet. So everything's a little bit harder than you think, probably going to take a little bit longer than you expect. And everyone makes mistakes. It's actually part of the whole process. I've made plenty of them. And usually you're able to correct your course along the way, maybe analyze what you've done analyze what other people have done and make some observations and keep moving towards the goal. And a big part of my motivation comes from teaching others and, you know, letting you know what I have learned and sharing stories from other people. So remember that success is different to everyone. And you have to keep that in mind as you're hearing their stories. And I mean, I don't want anyone to think, hey, I got to make X amount of money and, and hire a bunch of people because that's what someone else does. That's not necessarily a good idea, especially if it's leading you to a path that isn't going to make you happy. So for me, I know that I actually don't want to have a huge team of people like on payroll and counting on me all the time. I'd rather have the flexibility to pull together a team and then not do work. I could tell you last year in 2019, I took you know over three months off. I wasn't planning on doing that, but that's just the way it worked out. I'm really glad that I was able to do that. And if I was aiming to build a big team, I probably would not have been able to do that unless you know I, I shaped it in a completely different way which didn't really line up with what I was trying to do or what I am trying to do right now. So for one person making a few extra hundred dollars per month could be huge. It could cover some utility bills or pay off some debt or whatever you want to do. And for someone else, you may want to replace your income, replace your spouse's income or whoever, and quit your job that you don't like. So just keep that in mind. So whatever your definition of success is, Everyone has really 
experience ups and downs. And when you're trying something new, you are going to make those mistakes. So we're going to go over five common pitfalls here. And this one we call throwing spaghetti at the wall. And gut instinct can only get you so far, especially when it comes to building an online asset. One of the quickest paths to failure is to just start doing something and not really having a plan or roadmap on what you're trying to do. One of the problems with this is there are just so many sources of information. So you can get it from a podcast like this, blogs, YouTube channels, and everyone is marketing a little something. I mean, they're selling something or other, even if it's just trying to get your attention. So many People think that if you just try a little of this and a little of that from your different sources, you may just stumble upon the thing that works, the silver bullet. And to be clear, testing and strategic testing can be a really good thing, but you definitely have to establish a baseline first so you know what's working and what's not. So you may have experienced not operating with a plan, so you dive in without any idea how you're going to get to point A to point B. And maybe you're publishing content, but you're not doing keyword research or competitor analysis. And basically, you're just publishing content that you think maybe is a good idea. Another area that can really get in the way is shiny object syndrome, which I'm sure that we've heard of. And this could be in the form of new mentors, new courses, new search algorithm hacks or new tools, plugins, fill in the blank. There's a million different things you could think that, hey, if I just do this, it's going to change everything. Actually, I I did that several times. I would hear from one of my friends and they were like, hey, if you just, uh, you know, change, I'm going to make up something dumb. If you just change the way you spell certain words and, um, you know, refresh and then re, re, uh, re-index in, in Google Search Console, I've seen rankings go up. And I'm like, well, that doesn't make sense, but they said it was going to work, so I'm going to give it a try. Well, a lot of times those are like one-off things that are just random and they may or may not work. Um, Sandro said this in his survey, to get one trusted mentor and stick with them even when it's tough. And I I mentioned this in different forums as well, where it's like, find someone that has a plan that you believe in. Maybe they have credentials. Maybe you understand and trust them and trust that it's a good plan and it will work. And then you can stick with them through a project, you know, work through from beginning to end with their blueprint, with their framework. And a lot of people have them out there. Sometimes this is in the form of public case studies. Sometimes it's within a course. Sometimes it's just within a set of blog posts. Like I have actually, you know, a couple of those. So I have a set of blog posts that guide you through a process as well as a course that lays out the framework in a more distinct way. Another big mistake kind of in this spaghetti at the wall scenario is to build a bunch of sites all at once. It does sound good in theory, and I actually tried this a couple times, but usually when you're first starting off, if you split your focus between several different sites, if they're, let's say they're all affiliate sites, or if you start several different projects where maybe there's one affiliate site, there's a drop shipping site, and there's a 
Kindle publishing business, for example. Usually, you're going to be very frustrated. You're going to be splitting your focus and doing a little bit in each one of the areas where you're going to be making mistakes. It is very frustrating and you will most likely just be, I don't know, you're going to get burned out and probably nothing is going to work. You might get lucky, but I rarely, rarely hear of anyone where this scenario works out. The other problem is, let's say you're doing all niche sites, all affiliate sites, and you then make one little mistake, but you do it across all of your sites. And then let's say you make that mistake in each one of the posts that you publish. Well, unfortunately, you've just amplified that mistake across multiple sites, across multiple posts. So instead of just having, you know, say three or four areas to fix, you may have like 57 different issues all on different sites that you have to go and fix. So either it's going to be boring if you're doing the work or you're going to have to hire someone, a VA, to go in and fix those issues, which will cost money, of course. Either way, it's very important to not make the same mistakes twice. And a good way to do it is just work on you know one thing, probably one site And then once you understand how to make a successful site or a successful business in whatever area you choose, then then you could scale it up. You can expand your existing site, for example, or, you know, perhaps build others and work on multiple sites. Up next, number two, undervaluing keyword research. There's a big difference between a rambling blog and a quality niche site. Keyword research must be the foundation that everything else is built on, and you do need to be strategic about the type of content you produce from day one. And one of the biggest mistakes that I see new bloggers make is just undervaluing keyword research. And it's easy to understand why. SEO is maybe a little intimidating. There's a lot of new jargon and little things that you can get tripped up on. It's confusing. And there's also a whole other set of folks, right? I emphasize keyword research. I talk about the keyword golden ratio. And there's a whole other set of people that say, you know, don't do keyword research. The tools are all wrong and they're just guesses. In fact, there's actually been sort of a little bit of an uproar, I think, on YouTube with people calling out the keyword golden ratio and saying that it's the worst thing ever. I'm really a bad person for trying to confuse people. Actually, I'll just stop there and um, (laughs) hopefully don't even go look it up. Don't look it up. You'll just waste your time. Anyway, the best niche sites and content sites and online publishers do keyword research and early content often focuses on long tail keywords and ultra long tail keywords, even keywords with zero search volume as far as the keyword research tools uh, go. And it sounds counterintuitive to go for smaller search volumes, but they are usually less competitive. So it's a lot easier to get traffic to your new site and basically keep you motivated. It helps you gain momentum and want to keep working on your site. And you may have experienced this if you perhaps took the field of dreams approach where if you just build it, people will come. And if you, technically, if you just happen to accidentally write about content that people were looking up, then you'd be in good shape. 
But in a lot of cases, if you're just writing content and perhaps using, actually, I have a friend who writes blog posts that have kind of catchy, funny titles that actually tie in pretty well to the content. However, literally no one is searching for it because a lot of times he's, you know, making a joke. It's a pun or something funny. So it's cool, like if you know him and you know his brand, but no one's searching for it. So it's a lot harder for him to get just natural search traffic. Most of his traffic is through basically uh, referrals. So people link to him because he wrote something cool and, you know, they understand what the title is. Next, it comes up to target search terms that are too competitive And it's kind of the opposite of going for these low competition, long tail keywords. And again, if you're not doing keyword research at all, you may not realize that you're going after a a term that is really hard. It's really hard to rank for. And basically, when you're starting off, you want to drive traffic so that you can earn some money and you need to go after keywords that you can actually approach. So if you're thinking, again, this is the other side of the coin. If you're thinking, hey, I'm going to do keyword search volume or I'm going to do keyword research so I know the search volume, then I may as well go after large search volume so you could earn more money because more people are searching for it. And again, the problem is, and I guess I, I said this perhaps in the wrong order, is basically it may be too competitive for a site to get traffic early on. Steve mentioned this, there wasn't enough relevant content to start with, my niche was too broad, and my content topics were all over the place. Obviously, he needed to, uh, you know, take a different approach. Another thing, actually, we'll move on to number three here, so setting unrealistic expectations. There's a popular saying, perception is reality, and if you expect an avalanche of traffic to your new site and maybe to make thousands of dollars per month really early on and no challenges, no speed bumps along the way, you're really setting yourself up for disappointment. On the other hand, if you're in this for the long haul, if you're willing to put in the work, you you will probably be surprised as you steadily gain traffic and boost your earnings over time. And basically, if you if you watch too many YouTube videos that are like a little sensational and they don't emphasize the amount of hard work that you have to put in, then, I mean, you could be surprised. I I do try to emphasize that this isn't easy, but it's very possible, right? Like to start a site to, whether it's a affiliate site or an ad-based content site, I mean, you're doing online publishing in some format, it is totally possible to do. I didn't know anything about any of this just a few years ago. And I am, I'm fairly persistent, I would say. And I like to dig in to certain topics and really kind of analyze things. And I get obsessed with stuff. I think that's really helpful. So anyway, the point is you do have to have real expectations. So the fact is you're probably not going to get traffic very quickly. And it's probably not going to keep coming forever if you just set up your site and completely ignore it. Now, once you, I mean, once you reach some level of traffic and earnings, usually it's fairly consistent. However, in the last, I would say two to two and a half years, the Google algorithm updates have been hard to 
decipher, even with obsession and analysis and the other stuff that I mentioned. Basically, there's too many factors in any of the algorithm updates right now. So if you get knocked down, you lose traffic and you lose earnings, you're probably going to be a little frustrated because you can't just do one or two things and get all the traffic back. It's not, it's not like that anymore. So you generally have to, you know, keep publishing or at least have a publishing, uh, like a sprint schedule. So you, you maybe don't have to publish every week or anything like that or every month, but you probably need to add content over time. So one of the other things is just quick cash flow. You're probably not going to see quick cash flow. Typically, you're going to have to put in a decent amount of work ahead of time. You're going to have to put in a decent amount of capital and resources in general. And then you will start earning money. Typically, you know, kind of, I don't want to give you any mixed signals here, but typically, once you do get things set up, you have momentum and it doesn't require as much work as it did in the beginning. So you probably have a lot of front-loaded work and then you're going to be able to taper back. You can continue to accelerate if you want to, but a lot of times people hit a bit of a plateau and oftentimes you actually need to shift some of your focus. So if you got to a certain point with, say, publishing a ton of content, you may need to shift to more of a promotional-based effort. Or if you spend a lot of time with promotion and maybe not as much on content, then spend more time on content. So that's a deeper discussion for some other day. Another thing as far as expectations and a mistake and a pitfall that you got to look out for is quitting your day job too soon. And I make a good living from affiliate marketing and the related things that I do. And I actually got laid off from my job. And to be honest with you, I probably would have stayed at that job for a lot longer because I mean, I'm pretty risk averse overall. It was a it was a good gig. I'd been there for a while. I worked remotely. I had some decent pros and I mean, technically I could you know work on this stuff on the side and not detract at all from that uh, day job that I had in project management management. And in fact, now that I'm thinking back, the last year before I got laid off, I I was crushing it. I had a huge team. I was hiring a lot of folks. And basically, um, I had gotten promoted in the previous year and then helped someone that was, uh, he wasn't working directly under me, but it, I helped someone else get promoted. So like we were, we were moving up. But anyway, the point is, if you, if you're thinking, hey, I'm going to, get this going. I'm going to start a site. I'm going to quit my job in a couple months. Then you're probably setting yourself up to actually make weird decisions. So if you're trying to make quick money, you're going to make weird decisions that usually don't have a long-term view. So make sure you have your expectations in check. It will take a little while. The cool part is even if you are not making much money early on, Hopefully, you find this stuff kind of fun, kind of interesting. I'm personally right now launching a new site. I am setting up the the new theme. I'm using Carbonate by Matt Giovannisi, and it's cool to kind of poke around and use the, a new theme. It's very fast. I'm 
actually getting to poke around in the code a little bit, which is fun. And I'm also doing keyword research and I haven't done like deep keyword research in a while. So I am spending a lot of time in Google, Googling terms. I'm checking out a lot of different resources out there to find keywords and or just ideas. And then I take those ideas and translate them into keywords. I'm using KW Finder. So I'm deep in the weeds right now launching this new site. All that to say, hopefully you'll find it fun too. I'm actually enjoying myself and finding that I'm I'm like, hey, I want to do a little more keyword research. And uh, actually, let me look at the spreadsheet. Just today, just this afternoon, I found how many? I found about 18, 18 pretty prime looking keywords. And I was like, oh, I'll just find a couple more. But as I was hiring a couple writers to help out, I was like, oh man, it looks like I have more options. I have more writers than I expected. So I need to make sure I have some content for them to write. So yeah, I found like 18 keywords. Some of them are slightly more competitive. I would say 30% of those are a little more competitive, but some of them have just really nice numbers. A lot of search volumes are between, I would say 50 and 200 or so, and very few all entitled results. So if you, if you know the KGR, you realize that that's pretty good. And there are some that are more competitive, but I am mixing in a few of those because I am thinking about this website for the long haul. So a little tangent there, but I like this stuff. So number four, failing to crack the monetization code. There's no single formula that will guarantee that your site will make money. There are some best practices and proven methods that will usually increase your chances. Most sites are usually monetized with a combination of affiliate programs and display ads, maybe some digital products as well. If if you're able to find online courses or software, that's fantastic. Each of those monetization methods, I mean, you have more decisions to make. What kind of ads do you want to show? Like how many do you want to put on your site? How do you want to put in your affiliate links? Do you want to use a plugin? Do you want to use text and images? Maybe you want to use buttons and tables. And then you potentially, if you have those digital products, you may be curious about how to build up an email list and an audience that wants to buy info products that you refer them to, or maybe even you build your own info products. Now, striking the right monetization balance does involve trial and error, and you have to be willing to try things, maybe screw up and make some mistakes, and then end things that either, number one, aren't working, that's easy to stop doing, but sometimes you should stop doing things that are kind of working okay. So if something's kind of working okay, you probably can stop doing it, and you're not really going to cost yourself anything. Often, I see people that actually they just, they're thinking, Hey, well, I'm making like an extra $2 per day with some ads or something like that. But really it's detracting from the overall site, potentially removing those like uh, $2 per, what is it? Day or ads or per month, those ads that are uh, basically not earning you much. If you got rid of them, you may be in better shape. So some of the issues you may run into putting all your eggs in one basket. And I mean, a lot of people 
fell into this trap with Amazon. Amazon lowered their commission rates in early 2020 in April, and you have no control over that. So if a large percentage of your earnings can like vanish overnight, that is not cool. So it's really good to diversify if you have the ability to and make sure if you're dealing with affiliate partners and you know ignore Amazon for a second. I think we could probably imagine that Amazon's going to be around for a little while, but there are other affiliate programs that maybe pay out great. Maybe you build most of your site around a specific affiliate program and then it stops converting as well. Maybe the owners change what they're doing. Maybe they change the program altogether and don't pay out as much and just stop selling as well. So, and I've seen that happen with a couple people and I've heard that over time. The other thing uh, is trying to get water from a stone. So one of the hardest things to do after you put a ton of time and money into a site is admit it's not going to work. If your goal was to make money versus right for the joy of it, and you've tried everything you can think of, it might be time to just raise the white flag and move on. Take what you've learned and put your effort into a site that can actually help you reach your goals. This actually describes exactly what I went through with a couple of my early sites. I did what I thought was pretty good keyword research, but it turns out that I didn't know what I was doing because I was only like, I would say six to eight weeks in of discovering what affiliate marketing was and niche sites in general. So I I had no clue. I had no clue what I was doing. So eventually I was like, you know what? I'm going to start another site and understand that I made some mistakes before. We're going to go the opposite route. We're going to not make those mistakes and take a different approach. So Victor mentioned this, my niche isn't as high paying as most and essentially it stopped being worth my time. And I think Victor was actually getting a decent amount of traffic and making a few sales, but the effort that he was putting in publishing content and just managing the site didn't really make sense to keep pushing forward and trying to grow it. All right. Another issue is spending more than you make for too long. So everyone's budget is totally different. Some people can afford to pour a lot of money into a new site. That isn't a guarantee that their site's going to make the money back. And some of my most successful students have built sites with meager, sometimes no budget, all right? They basically have hosting and they put in the sweat equity. They do all the writing themselves and they do the promotion. They do the link building. Any any of those activities are doing it all themselves. I know some other folks that have a huge budget, right? They maybe have a full-time job that pays really well. Actually, a lot of people that I end up working with are IT professionals and a lot a lot of times are executives. They have more money than time and they will hire writers. They'll hire better tools to do keyword research or competition analysis. Sometimes I hire coaches to just hold their hand through the process. So, whether you have a budget of $100 or you know 10,000 or 20,000 you should probably set a limit on how much you're comfortable investing in the site before it starts paying you back and i i went through this too i mean even though i had a good job i had money to invest i often was 
trying to bootstrap it as much as I, I could. Well, and I guess even if I put all, all of the, my money in there, it's still technically bootstrapping. But the point is, a lot of times I was trying to force a site to earn a little bit more and a little bit more and then reinvesting. Actually, when I tested and retested the keyword golden ratio, that is exactly what I did. I think the initial seed money was probably, let me think for a second. It was probably $200 for the first 20 articles. I think I probably paid for about half of them and I wrote the other half myself. And then I started to reinvest a little bit more and a little bit more each month until I, you know, the last month I probably paid thousands of dollars, but I had earned that in the previous months. So it was, it was totally fine. Anyway, you should think about your budget. You can always, you know, my wife would kill me if she heard me say, you can always adjust your budget, but you can have some initial thoughts about how much you're going to spend before you start earning, set some benchmarks, set some checkpoints that you can keep yourself honest with, and at least revisit, you know, should, should I invest more? Should I pause here? Should I give things more time? Just so you are confident in the process. Moving on to number five, underestimating the heavy lifting and the hard work. If you want your niche site to become a significant revenue driver for the long term, you have a lot of work to do. It's important to realize it up front and to build a site that's sustainable for your lifestyle and your budget, what you want to do in general, and your goals. This might be obvious, but creating a site that you can't or don't really want to maintain is a bad idea. So, for example, if you have technical issues or language difficulties, then you maybe need to rethink things. So, if producing content in a second language is not something you could do or afford to pay for, then it's probably not going to work out that great. Now, the good part is you, you can actually hire native language uh, writers for you know wherever you need to publish or whatever language you need to publish in, but you do have to have the capital to invest in that. If you have technical issues, for example, like, I mean, I would say WordPress is pretty straightforward and you could watch tutorials and, and actually hire people to help you out with WordPress or whatever hosting platform you want to you want to like serve your site from, but generally people can figure out WordPress. However, if you're thinking about, you know, creating a site that maybe has a lot of technical aspects, maybe a lot of database calls or just something a lot more complex, then you should probably figure that out. Or like I said, I mean, you could hire someone to write things. And you could buy your way out of most problems, any of technical issues or anything like that. Typically, you could find someone to fix the problem. Moving on to another pitfall is if you didn't expect hard work. And while it's possible to outsource pieces of your site over time, sometimes it is a little difficult to actually throw money at the problem. Even if you are hiring people to do the work, there is work in hiring and managing people. So I mentioned it earlier. I've hired, uh, actually, I'd have to look back, but I think I've hired about five or six writers in the last couple of days. And there are interactions with each one of them. So 
there's work in that and it can be frustrating if you don't expect to have miscommunications. I learned that over time and I mean, I could be, I could just be straightforward and say, I've worked with a lot of people as, as a coach and I've helped them out with outsourcing. Oftentimes the issues that people run into with outsourcing is they expect it to go really smoothly. And I now expect it to go kind of rough. You know, there's going to be, I actually expect probably 20%, 20 to 50% of the people I just hired are just going to do a shit job. All right. That's probably what's going to happen, but I'm probably going to find a couple awesome people. I think one or two, uh, I was like, Oh, holy cow. I would hire this person not full time, but I would bring them on to my staff to write on a regular basis, potentially promote them in the future. As long as they, you know, keep showing up, keep doing a good job. I would love to, you know, challenge them and give them different work to do. But Aside from that, I mean, if you can't hire people, then you're going to be doing the work yourself and it will be long and hard. All right. That's what she said. Moving on to the next one. Create an unsustainable model. So for example, selling online courses can be great. Facilitating forums and Facebook communities. That's rewarding. Running a membership site. Well, that could be worth it too. But if you hate dealing with customer emails or maybe you don't have time to moderate comments. Maybe you find social media frustrating. Maybe these ideas aren't for you. Actually, those are all things that I don't really enjoy doing. I like student emails, just to clarify. I love all you students out there, but we have a specific relationship. I don't want to have clients, and I actually don't love moderating comments. I think my YouTube channel probably suffers because I ignore most of them. In social media, I just try and stay away from. So I had a Facebook community and then I just neglected it. So I've, I've given it to a friend. More on that, hopefully in an upcoming episode. So basically, you need to think about what you like to do, what you don't like to do, and what you're good at. So hopefully there's a nice Venn diagram overlap here where you could do some things that you're good at that you also like to do. The whole idea here is Build your site so it's sustainable for your specific preferences and your skills and what you want to have, all right? Your lifestyle should be factored in as well. Steve mentioned this, the site became an albatross, so much effort with very little reward. I felt like I wasted so much time and I wound up leaving the site alone for many months. So it happens from time to time. Funny side note, a lot of times I hear from people that we're in Steve's position. And then after several months of neglect, the site comes out of nowhere and does an awesome job. So it's kind of funny. Sometimes the time component is one that people, you know, they don't, I mean, they don't think about it as much. And just all of a sudden they start getting more traffic. They pop in and they realize they're making money from their site that they've ignored for many months. So parting thoughts. I asked people to share their non-success stories, and I mean, the responses were far from gloomy. It was great to read how much people have learned through the failures and so many that are still putting in the hard work. So I'm going to wrap it up with some of the favorite pieces of advice, my favorite pieces of advice from the people that responded. 
This is from Steve. The important thing is to keep trying, keep learning, and take action even if you're failing. Failure is an indicator that you should be doing something differently, and it's a good thing. Fail forward faster. Stewart says, don't be afraid to learn. After two years of plowing through niche site marketing unsuccessful, I feel like I finally cracked it. Now I have another site and it's already doubled my first site's income in just a few months. Christy said, create a quality site you're truly proud of. Traffic and earnings will follow. My first sales came from keyword golden ratio terms and that got me motivated. I then focused on creating more content. Now I'm generating 1000 to 1500 per month. That's from Troy. Wow, these are good testimonials. I need to... um. I need to write these down. Next, from Jen, focus on your reader's problems. Have one ideal reader. Don't try to reach everyone. Learning is great, but starting is better. In keyword research, wow. And actually, that's that's a good one. You need to remember that. Have one ideal reader. Don't try to reach everyone. I got to think about that for, you know, honestly, sidebar here. On YouTube, it's a little bit tough because you get comments from just random people that, they are not my ideal audience. I don't want them to watch my videos, but they comment and a lot of times they're very they're very vocal. It's a it's a vocal crowd that I don't even want to deal with. So it's a kind of a weird mix. And I honestly I don't know exactly what my goals are over there on YouTube. Back to the topic. Nidnad sorry if I'm mispronouncing your name, build your first site without outsourcing whatsoever. It helps to know the basics. Hando says, have a plan. Build something that is useful and helpful to other people. Don't look for shortcuts. Be willing to put in the hard work. Concentrate on one thing till you make it work. Edgar says this, choose something that you love and know about because doing so, even when you are not making any money, you will keep it up and running because you love working on it and providing information. Sorry if I messed up the cadence there. Kurthy says, good content is the key. Sandro says, the secret to getting done is getting started. Inda says, I now earned around four, I now earn around $4,000 a month, mainly from Amazon across three websites. Be fully prepared to either write or pay for quality content and publish regularly. Dave says there are many variables that affect the success of a site, and there are sometimes multiple paths to success. It's best to test your ideas on a small scale and see what works, then do more of that. David says just take action. It's not going to be perfect when you start, but you have to start. You will get better. Lewis says select a good niche up front not only focusing on your interest. Jenny says, get really clear on what makes your site unique, who your ideal audience is, and if they are a right match to what you're offering. Sammy says, don't stop learning, but realize that online courses aren't perfect. And Gustavo says, never give up before the first year. I thought about it many times. Now I'm quite happy that I persisted. My site is far from providing the results I'm looking for, but I've learned a lot. I know that I can keep growing this site and I have the knowledge to start a second site that I could do better on than the first. Finally, Ryan says, the keyword golden ratio works. Be patient. And I want to thank everyone that replied to the survey, 
took the time out. I mean, people wrote a lot and I hope, you know, I hope you enjoyed getting some shout outs here. I just used first names, of course, but I'm sure you recognize your words and your quotes out there. And if you haven't gotten started yet, if you are in that pre-success period, basically we were all in that stage. I mean, I, I mentioned several myself, a lot of regular guests to the show, like John Dykstra, Ron Stefanski, and those are the two main people I'm thinking of because they published income reports for a long time. And you could go back and look and see, especially Ron's, where he was losing money for a while and there was just slow, persistent growth. Sometimes there were hiccups along the way, but there's just a long-term effort put out. And it generally pays off as long as you're not bouncing around and doing too many things at once. I think that that's one thing to remember. And we, we highlighted it here and there through this talk. Basically, you know, if you're putting out a good effort and you're trying not to make the same mistakes again, eventually you should be able to make it work out. I have a couple awesome episodes coming up. I am going to take you behind the scenes of the last product launch that I did. So I launched a course, multi-profit site. I hope there's some students that are listening right now. And I've never really gone behind the scenes and shared like revenue. I've never talked about launching a course or developing new material or anything like that. So I'm going to talk about that. And I, I did work with another group and I recently, well, to this morning I checked with the crew at internetmarketing.gold to make sure it was okay if I share revenue numbers and it was fine. You know, I think it was good for a first launch of a product, but it was a little disappointing in some other ways too. So I'm going to share the process and just, you know, pull the curtain back and let you know what's going on with it. It, uh, it's an awesome course, by the way. I think the material is fantastic. So I'm, I'm pumped that it's going to be out there and there will be, you know, iteration, iteration done on that course as far as the launch and all that stuff. So that's coming up in an even cooler, <laughs> much cooler episode is with my friend Rob Atkinson. He's been on the show a couple times for longtime fans of the Doug show and the YouTube channel and the blog and all that stuff. You've probably seen Rob around quite a bit. Well, he is making seven figures a year now. He has a pretty awesome niche site. It's basically just a niche site that's pulling in seven figures. So we talk about some of the details, some of the challenges, shifts that he has made over time. And it was it was great catching up. I'm hoping he'll be able to join me more often uh, coming up here in the, well, in the future. I'll just say in the future. I don't know. It's been a while since I've interviewed him, but it was great catching up. And I think that's all I know about upcoming episodes. There will be, I don't have specifics, but there will be many success story interviews with people that have not crossed over the $1,000 per month barrier. So early success, people are on, you know, on their way up and I'm excited to chat with them. So you guys know, you guys and gals know who you are. So I'm going to be interviewing those and they're going to be coming out soon. I hope you enjoy them. I asked the audience, I asked you what you wanted to hear. And these are the kind of episodes that you want. So I think I'm going to end it here. It is 
beer 30 where I am at. And I hope it's uh, about that time for you too. So we'll catch you on the next episode.